Dying Alive is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Penguin tickets, uh, prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Let's say you're traveling to New York. You're going to go see the Penguins play the Islanders. You're looking to get tickets as soon as you get there. You go to the Game Time app. You're worried that you're going to get one of those crazy basketball seats that gives you a restricted view of the ice. Don't worry because Game Time has in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section in the arena. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head on over to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Ladies and gentlemen, call your grandmother and tell her to get in the fast lane. It's the Dying Alive podcast. This week, we're going to talk about the Halloween massacre in Philadelphia. We're going to talk about the Penguins getting back into the win column in general. A quick trip around the NHL, and we're going to celebrate Evgeny Malkin's impending return. I'm Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh. You're listening to Dying Alive. Joined, as always, by my friends Patrick Damp of thepensblog.com. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Jesse. I just want to uh, mark it down for the record. I think it's finally happened. I'm the last of the three panelists on Dying Alive to record while having a compromised immune system. That's great. Thank you for your service. And also joined by Michael Darnay of Pensburg.com. Hello, Michael. What's up? How are your dogs? My dogs are in Florida with my parents. Ooh, living it up, huh? Life yeah, luxury. I haven't, I haven't seen them in about a month. Are you sad? Yeah, a little bit. When are you going to see him again? Um, I believe very soon. That's great. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> we got to get – look, before we do anything else, because there's a lot that we have to talk about – Let's get this right out of the way. Philadelphia, 7-1. Another chili goal. That's the fourth chili goal of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Chili, Um, chili, chili. Take take yourself down to a Wendy's. They won't do anything with your ticket anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to give you a heads up now. If you take your ticket, they're not going to give you chili, but just it's nostalgia. You know, go get a chili. It's a good, it's good chili weather anyway. Yeah, we are getting into chilly weather, aren't we? Yeah. Um, Boy, that was just an absolute slaughter, wasn't it? Yeah. An ass-kicking of the highest degree. Against no better team to have an ass-kicking of that nature against. I will say, uh, shout-out to one of my former co-workers from the Utica Comets, Aaron. He is a Philadelphia native and a Flyers fan. He texted me the day of the game and goes, I feel like this is going to be a blowout, but I don't know which team is going to blow the other one out. <laughs> so he called it. Make, yeah. sure you pick, make sure you pick up that name you just dropped, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron? Oh, man. Um, 
but but going back to the chili goal thing, I don't know why I got so the, aggressive about the, that. There was a lot of a lot of disdain there. Yeah. I was like, damn, yeah. I just dropped a common name of someone I no, used to. No, I was work just with trying to like uh, <laughs> trying to get into the spirit of the thing here. I uh, feel so, good now. So so last night, I believe it was the NHL PR account, which will tweet out random accomplishments and whatnot. They said that the Penguins are the first team to score seven plus goals in four plus games in the month of October since the Penguins themselves did it in 1992. I wouldn't have guessed 92. I also heard, because I was driving to practice during the game, that the top four point scorers against the Philadelphia Flyers in history are number one, Wayne Gretzky, number two, Mario Lemieux, number three, Brian Trottier, and now holding fourth place to himself, Sidney Crosby. He loves scoring against the Flyers. Yep. Yeah, and it's funny because earlier in the day, um, Sid was talking to Seth Rohrbaugh, um, and was they, you know, I think Seth made a comment to him like, uh, "I'm assuming that Shield's not like a Halloween outfit." Uh, you know, typical, typical thing for him to say. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but. Um, Sid was talking about how much he hated wearing it. Um, and he was going to try really hard to go without it. Uh, it didn't like it. Um, yeah, I heard, I heard a sound clip from him that he, he said it was difficult looking down towards the puck with it on. Right, yeah, but it didn't, really didn't seem to make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do we, um, do we want to talk about that, though, like just in general? Because I, I am now a proponent of – I think it's time for NHL players to wear full facial protection. Nah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm indifferent on it, but I don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, I think, I think, you know, nose up visor is fine. I don't disagree with you, Jesse, but the reason I bring it up is at least in the early 2000s and 90s, the case was made that a lot of these guys came up not having to really wear facial protection with their helmets so it was definitely a bit of a adjustment and or not an adjustment but there would have to be an adjustment period for those guys having to wear full facial protection now we're at the point where just about everybody in the NHL the AHL the ECHL juniors they have grown up in an era where full facial protection has been mandatory so i just after what happened to sit against Dallas at this point i'm starting to really think like the the risk benefit of it is way is far greater than for them to just put full facial protection on rather than just a, a visor. Yeah, I think you'd I, have I, to. I didn't think you have to grandfather. You know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah, just like they did with the visors now. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see a problem with visors as long as they're not worn like Carl Hagelin and Kevin Hayes wear them, where they're pointed up at the sky. Yeah, I mean, I I, I fully believe in the old saying of like, you can replace a missing tooth, fix a broken jaw, fix a broken nose, but you can't replace an eye. No. So, well, I've replaced a missing tooth, Patrick. So I am living proof of that. So have I, I have also done that. Patrick, I took a puck uh, to the face uh, and I threw my gloves up in the air because I thought somebody had high stick me, so I really wanted to sell it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I may have told this story. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember the story, but I'm pretty sure I remember you at some point. This was 
what four or five years ago maybe well, probably longer than that oh uh, maybe i'm thinking of somebody else i remember somebody sending me a picture of their half broken half missing tooth oh, that was me yeah yeah i thought so that was like seven years ago though okay i think time flies <laughs> I, I had i had something similar when i was still in wheeling i was playing in a summer roller hockey league and i posted up in front of the net and got knocked down and like it was perfect timing to where when I got knocked down, a shot came from the point and just cracked me right in the right side of my face, and it just chipped to the point where I might as well have just pulled the tooth on my on the bottom side of my mouth. Like I just got up and I was like, "Oh, that's that's a lot of blood and a lot of a tooth." Hmm. Um, referencing the back to that Philly game, uh, Sidney Crosby had the most disgusting goal of the night. Yes. The way, the way he put himself in position to receive the puck, and being able to get that kind of shot off while tracking away from the goalie and picking the corner. Disgusting. I mean, what else can you say? Like most guys in the league would be lucky to get a shot off picking a corner like that when they're not moving, let alone moving away from the goalie. And again, we we said it last week about his goal against Colorado, the more underrated part of that goal is the patience is that he pulled the puck across, waited, waited, saw his opening, put it top corner. He's always been disgusting in his ability to shoot from like less than like advantageous positions. Yeah. You know, it's like equivalent to like a quarterback throwing it off his back foot. Like, like uh, Mason Rudolph's I first say, interception. Me, I was going to say, reminds me of uh, <laughs> reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. Why? The way he's falling backwards and ends up picking a corner in the back of the end. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know which direction you were taking that. Yeah. I was like, was it the mustache? No. Um, um, also, <laughs> also, I to make another NFL parallel, I was expecting Brian Elliott to say he was seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold. Yeah. Speaking that of was a rough fire. one, and that started though with that Schultz goal because that was such a weird one. He just you know? kind of just threw it from the half wall, and it just kind of went in. Yeah, talk about shooting off balance. When like that I, was like that one to me was almost pat like you're just trying to keep it in. Yeah, you know? and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and like I was saying about the game, like I was listening to it on the radio. It was such a unexpected goal. Lang didn't even know it went in. Like you just heard like Lang was like, and Schultz sends it in from the point. And, like, a couple seconds of silence from him and Bork, but in the background you hear the crowd cheer and the, the horn sac- going off. The yeah. horn going off, and he was like, and the, the, the Penguins have scored. I think it was Justin Schultz. Yeah, I, th- I think even the TV replay I, I rewatched this morning because I was working on something uh, had the typical Bob Airy, look out. <laughs> oh, look out. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's, like, just – that was the tone setter for it. Um I thought that the Flyers were horrendous defensively. It was bad. I can we I hope last night like I thought and I guess maybe like based on what I read on Twitter today it probably didn't at all but I was kind of hoping that that game would like give us a day off of the Dominic Simone debate. Yeah. You I, but I mean a lot of people took a victory, a victory lap. Yeah. We're in this world now where it's like we're living on this game by game. You know, like every game or every shift, we're using it as argument fodder. 
Well, and I don't think that's even a Dominic Simone thing. I think that's just a now thing. Sure. Yeah, we microanalyze Jack Johnson the same way. Yeah. Like, I mean, for, not for an undue reason or anything. It, yeah, you know? it's like he gets smoked in the corner, gets talked about for three days, makes a nice play chipping the puck out of the zone, gets talked See, about See, I told you days. so. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's That's, I guess, the nature of uh, – social media what well, is it the, pittsburgh the, is pittsburgh clothing company the company that came out with the dominic simone fan club t-shirt yes yeah that's act hey i might pick one up well and even the the micro analysis of it aside this was the logical if you have watched hockey long enough the logical end point of what's been going on with simone the past few months dating back to last season to where everything He's doing everything right. He's in the right positions. He's getting chances. He's helping his line mates out. And now it's going in. The, the puck is finally going in for him. Now, that could change in the next few games. It could continue. But if he, in the course of an 82-game season, if he continues to do what he's been doing for the past few months, I'm not worried. It, it's, it's on a much lesser level the same way you would talk about Crosby Malkin. You don't start really truly worrying about them until the chances stop coming. Once the chances yeah. stop coming, then we have problems. Once Simone stops passing the puck well, getting in position correctly, getting the puck to Crosby and Gensel the right way, then we start to worry. Um, yeah, and, and, and to be fair to... Um, um, the situation, I mean, the chances, you know, have, have in fact been coming, um, especially for a guy like Dominic Cahoon, who at one point, um, and, and this is interesting. Um, we're going to talk, we'll t- let's talk about two players here. We'll, we'll, we'll use the following data, uh, to discuss, uh, two guys that I, I, I think have been super important to what the team is accomplishing. So, uh, the first one's Dominic Cahoon. And I pointed out on Twitter that leading up to that Dallas game, uh, you know, obviously he was shooting himself 0% on the year. Uh, but then in addition to that, at like at every line he played on went dry. But at the time, he also led the team uh, in, in expected goal production. <laughs> um, so it was a guy who was literally dominating in the scoring chance department. And I said it was like somebody bake you a cake. Um but the icing was spaghetti sauce because it was just a terrible finish, you know, <laughs> but that's already turned around. Now he's on the board. Uh, the goals are starting to come. The, the only player on the team. And, and let's look at this guys. We'll look at expected goals for share relative to the rest of the team. Right. So we'll judge these players against their peers, you know, to kind of account for, for teammates and competition and all that crap. Um, the two Dominic Cahoon is, is second on the team at plus 11% of an expected goals for share, uh, you know, again, relative to everyone else. Number one, Jared McCann plus 15%. Is that good? Uh, it's really good. And I'll tell you what, guys, I was talking today. Um, I, I you know, just said on Twitter, um, you know, hey, I, I think Jared McCann was great against Philadelphia. Um, you know, a goal aside, right? I mean, I thought he was great. Really brought a different element to the team. Um, and a bunch of people from Vancouver that were Canucks fans responded to it. And I couldn't – at first I was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, I forgot about the and, Vancouver connection to it. Um, and it was interesting to see, like, all these Canucks fans pop in. Well, one guy's like, well, he's got the same number of points as Brandon Sutter. And I'm like, oh, buddy, like, we got to have a conversation here. Like, 
So look at the way Jared McCann is deployed. Like look at the minutes he gets. Look at how he drives results. Like miss me with the he's Brandon Sutter discussion because I saw Brandon Sutter play for the Penguins and Jared McCann is not one of them. Yeah, and it, it reminds me when the Penguins first made that trade and got Jared McCann. I'm I'm a very positive person, and my thought was like, all right, well, they're trading for a guy who was a first-round pick not very long ago. He's still young. He didn't become a first-round pick by accident. It's I mean, and he played for Vancouver and Florida, so there was talent there. He just needed to find the right way to utilize it. What I remember thinking about the trade in a similar manner, Mike, to the point where I was like, yeah, they got Bugstad, who I knew a lot more about and was a lot more bullish on, but I was also like, this Jared McCann kid, if used correctly and put in the right situation, could actually become a stud. And so far, it's that's how it's gone down. He looks great. It's it's and it, you know consider his youth um, and and you know where he's at and in sort of his development curve. Um, you know, he's an NHL player that I still think has room to grow. I mean, you think about the ceiling in this situation, and boy, howdy, folks, is that encouraging? Um, and and it, for that matter, too, you know. I do think it's fair to say, um, whether you know, however you want to quantify it, that Dominic Goon had a rough start to the year. Um, I think as time went on, he started to get chances more and more and more. You know, probably about what I guess what the two weekend mark guys, probably two weeks ago, they started to come in, in bunches. Yeah, um, yeah. And he, then, had a, he had a rough couple two weeks to start, and then the last two weeks kind of rounded out a little better. And now here we are uh, with the puck ended up in the back of the net. Um, well, so, yeah. I was going to say, and one thing that I think is worth kind of acknowledging here, for all the very fair criticism that has been levied on Rutherford the last couple of years, we have to admit that he has made the team younger and put some good young pieces in place with guys like McCann, Cahoon, Pedersen, and a few others to where it's a group that while they're not going to be wholly impressive and carry a team past the Crosby Malkin era, they are good young players that are worth a damn in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's several good hits and several missteps at the same time. Yeah. Um, if we're going to get into, Oh, by the way, I mean, I think it's just, and it's just worth mentioning because uh, I, I want to bring up, uh, what Mike Sullivan talked about uh, in practice today um, uh, at the skate, just to kind of get uh, your feedback on it. Uh, but you know, if you, if you want to get an idea of of how things look, um, you know, for the Penguins, I think in in, in relation to uh, the full picture of the league right now, they the sixth best expected goals for percentage in the league, uh, seventh best. Pardon me, seventh best. Uh, that's actually tied with. Um, I believe Vegas, um, which is you know pretty good company to be in, uh, and they're a length best shot share percentage. Uh, so, real, I mean, look, hey, per, you know, predictors of, of success, right? Two very important buckets. Yeah, um, and not to mention they're ninth best, I believe, in standings points, which you would be insane to not be happy with that, given the injury status at this point. Yeah, it's huge. And and Mike Sullivan today was posed the question of like, you know, what what do you attribute this to? Like what what's the 
you know, what's the state of the union, so to speak. Um, and he himself, I thought this was interesting, kind of brought up um, the fact that they're not doing anything different from a system perspective. That the system is the same. Uh, the approach to the system is what has changed. I wholly agree with that. Uh, I think that's an, you know, Mike Sullivan's good for every media scrum. He's good for like one real life, super serious fact, <laughs> like within the sort of trope that he gives you. Cause he gives you a lot of trope. He does. He's got his thing, right? He's got his sayings. Um, but you know, you, if you, if you parse through it and you wade through the trope, you always find that one little nugget of truth. Um, and I think, you know, to summarize what Mike Sullivan said today, it was, we stopped turning the puck over all the time. Uh, and there aren't as many odd man breaks. I, I was um, just going to say, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a month back when we talked about Mike Sullivan making them practice two on one odd man rushes because they were giving up so many. I don't feel like we've seen them as often since as often since then. Well, I think in the immediate aftermath of that, Mike, you did. Um, and I think for probably again, like a two week period, it was like a really delicate balance. Um, but I mean, look, the data doesn't lie, right? Like, you know, they're a team right now that's spending a lot more time playing offense than they are playing defense. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, I mean, I'm curious to hear your perspective on this from a coaching standpoint, Pat, but as a player, if you have to spend 20 minutes in a practice, practicing two on one odd man rushes that might chip into the back of your brain to not give up so many odd man rushes during play. Yeah. The, the one thing that I've done the last couple weeks with my team because we had a bit of an issue similar to the Penguins for a few games was almost right off the opening faceoff for a handful of games, we gave up either a two-on-one or a breakaway. And it was because essentially the either the forecheck was a little too aggressive or the faceoff wasn't drawn up correctly. And basically what we told the team was, this isn't an issue of us playing wholly incorrectly. It was the fact that there were one or two things, very minor adjustments, that we make those, we mitigate this problem. Yeah, a couple little mental things go a long way. Well, in, in the, the biggest thing, that, the biggest issue that my team was having was when we were in on a four check, and we would lose possession of the puck, the defenseman would stay in semi-attack mode. And the weak side defenseman wouldn't back out a little bit to be the safety net in case they get their breakout. So they would chip it out, get past them, and it would be a two-on-one or a breakaway or a two-on-oh. And I think you've seen a lot of that with the Penguins as well, to where when they're on the forecheck and get possession in the offensive zone, the defense stay in attack mode. But when possession changes, the weak side defenseman backs out a little bit and puts himself in a position to mitigate that potential odd man rush or breakaway. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of like the natural flow of, of plugging holes and shifting with the with the puck side of the ice and the way that the play's moving, right? So you, you fit into these roles and you take these opportunities as they present themselves naturally. 
which is something Mike Sullivan talks about all the time. And I actually have video cut that I'm going to put on the athletic this week. Um, it's specific to Justin Schultz and it's looking at, at pinch opportunities he takes and how he does them within the flow of the game, uh, allowing him to become a winger. Right. So you're not seeing like a lot of like, you know, square peg round hole situations. It's more like it, there's my lane and I'm just going to take it. Uh, and everyone is going to be aware of it. And, and it, it's very North South point A point B stuff, which on a team with this level of talent is really the only thing you need to, to be successful is a little bit of responsibility and mindfulness and, you know, I think the exact Sullivan quote guys is take what the game gives you. And I, and I think that the, you know, there's video examples of them doing exactly that. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is that the penguins play a very simple style. There, there's not a lot of nuance to it. It's play up tempo four check hard and read what the, like Sullivan said, read what the game gives you. And someone like Schultz, all he had to do to improve his style of play was just read when it's time to pinch, read when it's time to drop back. And I think that's made a large difference in the way he's played so far this season. Yeah, I mean, that, those are the kind of situations where when you're confident in your abilities, you can make those plays. When you're second-guessing things, it's going to be a disaster. We're going to get a real good test of how, how this Penguins defense is because two of the best lines in hockey are uh, coming up on the, on the menu. Uh, Saturday afternoon matinee against the Oilers at home, 1 o'clock uh, puck drop. Uh, James, James, James Neal revenge game. James Neal revenge game. Um, you've got th- that McDavid line is literally uh, just scorching hot. It's the best line in hockey, no questions asked. Watched them uh, dismantle the Capitals. I think that was last week. Uh, when, like, and, then, and, and, and like, and, and, I, and I believe they're currently dismantling the Columbus Blue Jackets. I like wouldn't be surprised by that, Michael. And <laughs> that, <laughs> that sounds right. And like your your uh, cohort at the Athletic, Josh Yo, he said, if you don't have anything going on on Saturday afternoon, whether it's getting a ticket to go to PPG Paints Arena. Or sitting down on your couch. This is a game to watch. Oh sure, you got Sidney Crosby playing unbelievable hockey. I think Matt Murray has been good. Um, that Edmonton top line is just on fire. And then you get to follow that up on Monday night uh, with the Bruins, uh, who their top line. How about this, guys? The Bruins top line has more points than the entire New Jersey Devils roster combined. Jesus, what? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that, that I, I know, last night when the Bruins beat uh, the Sharks five one. I know firsthand from uh, fantasy hockey reasons that David Pasternak is absolutely ridiculous this year, and it's like, so you have your Twitter following. I follow a lot of national reporters, writers for the Athletic, so and so. I feel like every time on any given night, I'm scrolling through. Oh, David Pasternak scored again. It, it's every night. Yeah, that line is. I feel. I feel like he scored almost every game they played this year. So it's going to be fun because you know I think Latang and Dumoulin have been good. Um, 
consistently good. Well, you know, when Dumoulin's been healthy, he's just now back. Uh, just three days off, I think, before the Edmonton game would be valuable for him to kind of get his his win back um, for a night where his skating is, is sure to be tested by Connor McDavid. But the thing that I always like to watch when the Penguins play the Oilers is the McDavid versus Dumoulin matchup. Uh, and more often than not, they end up uh, in a situation where they get to go head to head quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with Dumoulin uh, being as aggressive as he is, and he's got that long reach, um, you know, he can kind of he can kind of s- slow McDavid down. I think a little bit with how aggressive he is at the blue line. Um, it doesn't yeah. always work, and he's been burned. Yeah, when uh, when when you can step up and your reaches as far as it is, it kind of has to push a guy back a little. Uh, bit. It's a fun little game within the game, you know. Yeah, as always. Really and that, that that's really an underrated part of Brian Dumoulin's game is that, you know, you brought it up last season when there was the McDavid versus Dumoulin matchup, Jesse. The biggest thing is that Brian Dumoulin is a very, very positionally sound defenseman. And against a player like Connor McDavid, there's a lot of value to that because a lot of defensemen will try to do a little more than they than they can against a guy like McDavid because of his speed and his skill and just being an otherworldly talent. A guy like Dumoulin just keeping it simple and keeping McDavid to the outside is very valuable and is really one of the only ways to keep him from being overly effective. Yeah, you you could you control you control your gap in front of him and just try not to let him fly past you. Well, I think the other thing too is that sometimes he strikes that fear into you where you like clam up a little bit and like you play maybe slower than you normally would or you give yourself too much of a gap because you think in the back of your head, I don't want to get turned around by this guy. I don't want this guy to get a you know full head of steam on me and, and spin me. Um, so maybe you, you play a little too conservative, but uh, all that's doing is just keeping the door open and inviting the pressure. So, um, you know, he typically – you know, keep some honest. So, um, before we, uh, hear from the people, which is always one of our favorite parts of the show, just some NHL news and notes. How about that? Um, I had a hot take on Twitter today, guys. I don't care about the lacrosse goal. I don't give I don't give a shit. I agree. I've seen it a thousand times. It's like, and you don't see it in the NHL. I get that. Right. Okay. But like, it's the shootout for me now. That's how I feel about the shootout. It's like, uh, can we get this over with? Good for him. I think it's great. I'm not. I don't mind that it's in the league. What I'm saying is, I don't pop for it anymore. You know, it's not like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, when the glass breaks, you know, <laughs> like I just see it and I'm like, eh, all right. Now, if Sidney Crosby did it, I'd probably like throw it on Twitter and make it the biggest deal in the world, but. I guess I don't know. I just from, I've seen Crosby do it already. So you see what I'm saying? Like it's like whatever. There, there there was a little bit of that. There there was one thing you said in that Jesse that I agree with is why I still pop for it is that you don't see it in the NHL. You expect to see it in college hockey and in junior from the guys who are just head and shoulders above the competition, and it's in it, it, even in that instance, it's like a okay, we get it. This guy's the best of the best in this in this league. Yeah. So seeing it done in the NHL I think is a little bit more significant because it's like holy shit, he did this in the NHL against elite competition. Hey Mike, take a look at this, huh? 
Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. What are we looking at? That's coconut pineapple, buddy. And no rat poison in there? No. This is yeah. uh, Good and Gather brand. Is which that I is Target. General? I think it's Target. Target. Yeah. That's my sparkling water of the night, guys. Free plug <laughs> for you there. Remember Coconut Mike? That was a fun time on Twitter. It was. Coconut Mike. Wow, I forgot about that. Do you want to give the context to that, Darnay, just for the people that may not be aware of what Coconut Mike was? I enjoy all things coconut flavored. And there was a period where I got roasted about it because I like coconut in my coffee. And I just embraced it. And you Ro- called yourself Coconut Mike? Roasted specifically by Sean Gentilly. Roasted. Oh, ro- the, I'm telling you right now. We're no getting one, him on, no, we're getting him on the show. There is nobody I would rather right now. Be, there is nobody I would rather be roasted by than Sean Gentilly. I'll tell you, we have the, to the day to this day, dying alive has never had a guest. This it's only correct. been the three of us. I'm saying, Pat, because we only need two thirds motion to make this happen. <laughs> I'm saying we get Gentilly on here and we confront him about this. <laughs> I, I I will happily, I would let him roast me for an hour about it. There's like, not there's not a better roast master on Twitter, on podcasts, on social media than Sean I mean, Gentilly. Not like, not even not even just roasting or writing or just people in general. He's like top five favorite people that I know. Yeah. But I'll never forget. There was one day I was sitting at my desk, just working. I don't even know what I was doing. And, uh, I had Spotify up and I had seen on Spotify that Sean Gentilly was listening to Le'Veon Bell's rap album. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I got so excited cause I knew it meant that the review is coming, you know? And then sure enough, like an hour later, like Sean Gentilly put out his review of Le'Veon Bell's rap album. It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it, it, it's just always categorically entertaining and interesting, even without trying to be. I remember uh, when you were still doing the Coconut Mike thing. It was when it first happened. It was my the year I was in grad school and. I brewed a pot of coffee in the morning and I like pulled out every spice I had in the apartment. It was like Montreal steak seasoning, garlic powder, salt. And I was like, Oh, Hey, good morning, Mike. I'm making coffee. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, uh, Roman Yossi got an eight year, $72 million deal. Uh, and I don't horrible, know anyone horrible. Okay. I was just going to say, I don't know anyone who thinks that's a bad deal. There you, go. <laughs> you, you got one. Uh, right now it's fine. Give it a few years. And what? He's, he's still a good defenseman? I mean, he's going to be mid-30s. What do you give him then? What's, what kind of contract extension do you give him? I don't know, but I don't like it. It's like that scene in Wayne's World, Pat. Hey, Mr. Donut Man, who's trying to kill you? I don't know, <laughs> but they better not. See, I, I initially, when I saw the first report of his great reference, by the way, don't want to have that go. Don't want to have that go unappreciated. Pat's wearing a Wayne's World hat right now for the listeners that can't uh, see him. He's going as uh, Wayne Campbell for Halloween. Yes, I am. Actually, I've already seen you go as Wayne Campbell for Halloween. It was quite good. It was on Instagram. It's just I don't have the Halloween party till Saturday. But the, it was on the gram. The, the, co- the costume <laughs> showed up, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, I got to get a picture with this. What the hell is a costume, Pat? It's a goddamn black T-shirt. <laughs> oh, the hat, I guess, would be the costume. The hat and the wig. Okay, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, the wig. Yeah, the wig. Okay. Yeah, I don't have. Do you have a Garth? No, unfortunately, oh, I wish okay. I did. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to the Roman Yossi contract, initially I was kind of on Mike's side about the deal, but then I saw LeBron break down the 
year by year of it. And I mean, the first half of it, when he is going to be in his prime, is all signing bonus, which I'm is an unreal way to do that because you get Roman Yossi in his prime and you have cap space. Basically, next year, his contract is seven hundred fifty thousand. His salary is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Eleven million dollar signing bonus. Damn. Okay, so I I didn't see that aspect of it. Yeah, so, so 21, 22, $10 million signing bonus, $750,000 salary. 22, 23, $8.75 signing bonus, $1 million salary. Yeah. 23, 24, $4 million signing bonus, $5 million salary. So that's when it starts to change is when it starts being a bigger hit on the cap. But the biggest thing is you're getting him in his prime on low salary, high signing bonus, which is just for Nashville a huge, huge discount. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Buyout proof and tradable in a few years. Pat, how's your DJ hand? Feeling loose. Drop him. Michael, what's on the drink list tonight? What do you got? Captain Diet. Mm. You're get a that, diet guy? Get yes. that saccharin in you. I Caffeine. never knew that. Caffeine-free diet. Get that saccharin. Yeah, why not? Anyway, let's hear from the people. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Brad Smith uh, asks, we kind of touched on this a little bit, is Cahoon becoming less of a disappointment? Oh, oh, yeah. Man, yeah. I mean, have to say yes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, th- I think the first time the question was asked, I don't know if it was from him or not, he had been invisible. So scoring goals, like you said, the expected goals numbers. Well, and, yeah. a little, and a little similar, we say it about Simone all the time. The chances were there. I think we were all just kind of disappointed because he was acquired for Mata. So we were like, he's got to be great out, right out of the bat. And... Well, hey, spoiler alert, guys. Ole Mata is not having a good time of it in Chicago, folks. From um, what I from what I gather, he has been playing with Brent Seabrook also. Uh, even relative – I mean, just looking relative to the team, it's just – it's been – yeah, I, I don't think it's mattered who he's with. So yeah, I, I mean, I follow, I follow a few Chicago people, and it's one of those other things. I don't tune into Chicago games, but I see comments pop through here and then that, oh, Ole Mata still can't skate. So it makes the uh, Chicago slogan a lot more appropriate when Brent Seabrook and Ole Mata are on the ice, one goal against. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Flagrant Swag asks, which Pokemon is the best starting pick on Game Boy? Charmander, Squirtle, or Bulbasaur? Charmander. Yeah, obviously. Agreed. I don't know, man. I always pick Bulbasaur. Any reason? What? Yeah. Why? Charmander's overrated. You're overrated. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Laura asks, what's been your best Halloween costume? Any costumes this year? I'm going as Moe Schrute. I, kn- I know we talked about this a year ago. I n- never really did Halloween. I still don't. So Pat, I have your no Wayne. Answer. I'll be Wayne this year. Uh, my best was 
my the year I was in grad school and college, I was Pac-Man. All of my roommates were the ghosts, and when we had that's, a party, that's pretty on, good. Well, hold on. When we had a party on Halloween, uh, I had the music that pl- or the sound that plays when the ghosts all turn blue on my uh, iPhone, and every now and then I would hit that music and chase them around the house. Yeah, that's good. One time in college, we wore T-shirts with uh, the letter P on them and gave ourselves black eyes, and we were the black eyed peas. Because <laughs> at that point, like the goal was like to drink as much as possible. So yeah. it yeah. wasn't. I didn't. I don't want to be hindered by some costume. You know. Yeah, that's creative as hell, though. Oh, I like stole it from something online. I saw. Yeah, I had come up with it myself. It's like a. It's like a back in the day meme. Yeah. Uh, P. Turkus asks, why are we seeing so many fewer defensive breakdowns considering that the personnel is pretty much the same? I don't know, man. Buy-in? A little, little more thoughtful with the puck, less careless. Maybe that glean from the cup is gone. You got enough new faces in now. Yeah, and I you mean, know, I don't know. I'm 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 spitting out. Yeah, I mean, just thinking out loud. I don't know when you're not trying to threepeat and you're. I don't have an answer. I think that's your why own I'm new entity. <laughs> your own, your own new team. Yeah, I think I think what Jesse said though is kind of a spot on point. The glean from the cup is gone. Like what? Like it's similar to being in a casino and constantly hitting twenty one in blackjack. You just feel like nothing can go against you and nothing can go wrong and. They had won two straight Stanley Cups, got to a sec, got to the second round after winning two, and they kind of were like, "We're good at what we do. We don't have to change anything." And then last year happens. Yeah, um, this isn't a question, but from Casual Friday, out on a limb, Eric Branson isn't going to turn the Duck season around. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, I got a feeling he's uh, not the magic. Oh, wow. I just uh, checked the score line, by the way, guys, of the games tonight, and the Lightning beat the Devils in overtime 7-6. to six. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so that's interesting to me from a perspective looking at the Devils. As a team who couldn't score, you score six on Tampa Bay, but you still lose. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to hurt. <clears throat> uh, Mike Neuber asks, what, I guess it should be who, was your favorite Penn's Blog game day character? I can't decide between Gizmo and Mr. Scorpio. Oh, those are both really good. Man, I, I, there's I so know. many of them. Yeah. I think I, I think I need to think on this and come back next week about it. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do too. But yeah. That's yeah. a cop out, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> Uh, Full Rossi asks if you could pick one stat that every hockey analyst suddenly understands, what would it be? Oh, I know my answer for this one. It's Corsi. And it's, and it's, it's only because it gets used as like the derogatory mocking, like, Oh, well, you know, this guy has, people don't think he has good Corsi. Like, if it was called anything else, if it was literally called pucks to the net, every old school hockey guy would be like, "Corsi's the greatest thing ever because he gets pucks to the net. He has pucks to the net." Like, but it's called something that's not pucks to the net, so they're all just like, "Oh, Corsi! These fucking nerds want to talk about Corsi." 
Mine would probably be game score because I think it's super useful, but also super underrated um, and is also simultaneously super comprehensive. It is a great way to look at a player's impact on a single game. Probably the best way we have to look at a player's impact on a single game. Yeah, I don't actually, I'm actually going to have an answer that's a little bit different than what the question was asking, but mine would be for people to stop using combined plus minus. What do you what do you mean combined? Like these three players were combined minus nine last night. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah it's bad. Tough. It's really bad. Like, like I've I've said it on the pod before. Is like I'm not one of the people who is fully out on plus minus. Yeah, yeah. I'm not destroying it. You guys, you got, can I can I make a can I make a bitch if we're going to do that too? Then about um stats and the way we use them and stuff like that by all means if you had a friend that came have you ever had a friend pitch you a pyramid scheme yep no oh you have pat in real life yeah okay how uncomfortable was that horribly because i know what they're pitching sure so like i had somebody once that took me out to dinner or was lunch they were like hey let's catch up we haven't met out in a while i was like yeah absolutely they're like they were working you know very close to where i was like in, in downtown and I met up with them, and they like at the very end, like that's how they ended the launch. I was so disappointed. Um, so my, the reason I bring it up is because when people use goals, okay, when yep. people use goals as evidence of something being good, it's them pitching you a pyramid scheme. Because what they're telling you is, here are these results I've got, but I'm not going to tell you how I achieved them at all. Yeah. And I'm also not going to tell you whether or not they're sustainable. But look at these, look at these results. Trust me. Get a couple people to sign up with you. You're going to be making a ton of money. Yeah, it's like we had a really we had a really successful 2018, but we're not <laughs> going to tell you what happened between 2011 and 2017, and I'm not going to tell you what's happening so far in 2019. Right. While so, I, while I totally agree. Using the goals. <laughs> while I totally agree. The thing I will say is, and I'm I'm just just to make sure we're all on the same page, is you're obviously pointing that toward the mid range players, not like you're. Ovechkins and Gensels and guys who consistently score goals, right? Yeah, or what I'm saying is saying like, oh, uh, these two guys, you know, they played together and then these two guys played together. And, you know, like I don't like looking like with you, with you, without you, you know, is something I, I'm starting to be very hesitant about looking at in and of itself. But if I was going to look at it, I would look at it, you know, from an unexpected goals perspective or a shot share perspective. I wouldn't look at goals as a way to define like whether or not something was successful. Okay, Jesse, yeah. here's here's a good here's a good question. How about actually a good example? Using Jared McCann's goal total from last year when half of them were empty net goals. Yeah, like people mention that. I mean, like, like there's a lot of other metrics you could use, and you mentioned a lot of things earlier on tonight. But if if your sole argument was the goals, that's not your argument to win. It's process. Correct. Yeah, process is more important than goals, for sure. Because because your pyramid scheme in that example would be mentioning the goals, but not mentioning that half of them were empty net. Um. I would say that think of it this way, you know, like the pyramid scheme would be promising goals when there's no evidence that they could be produced, right? Like you don't feel good. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't feel great about a hockey team that went on a run of scoring a lot of goals while simultaneously being completely incapable of controlling a game. Yeah. Because that's not going to last very long, you know. So, you know, in the pyramid scheme, that's like maybe like an early success that isn't sustainable or like there's no capital to draw off of to keep the business going or whatever it is. But um, I just think we, you know, we have to get back to focusing on the process. Um, that that to me is the most yeah, important part. I don't I don't disagree. Yeah. So we're on the same page as that. I just want to make sure. <laughs> what else uh, we got? Daniel asks, who gets scratched when Malkin is back? Thoughts on it being Nick Bugstad? See, we're we're officially in the good place for the Penguins at forward where we look at everybody up front and we're like, ooh, who do you scratch? I'm not in a place right now where I take out Sam Lafferty for Nick Bugstad. No, I would agree with that, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't I, disagree I, either. I think Sam Lafferty, Lafferty did a great job. Um, I think it's – I think that he did what he was asked to and the Penguins should go back to what they had when they started the year. I do think they made the right call uh, putting John, Adam Johnson, not Jack Johnson, unfortunately, back to Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, got to let him play. Yeah, and, and even regarding Lafferty, it, not even to mention a – cap management or roster management aspect. He doesn't need to clear waivers. You can send him back down. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to need him again real soon. It's just the yeah, nature of the game. Somebody That's else is going to get yep. hurt. Somebody's exactly. going to need a week off. So. Yep. Um, okay, Drew Dunn asks, obligatory Halloween candy question. Please give us your best and worst. Uh, Reese's Cup's best. Uh, Drew has that as best on his one end of the spectrum. Yeah, Reese's or Kit Kat. Big fan. So what's, like on, what, what's on the worst end of your spectrum? Maybe this is a personal thing, but like anything that's like fruit flavored. Like oh, not, man, I love Skittles, though. I love no, Skittles. No, no, no. What I was going to say is not dissing anything like Skittles or Starburst. I do love them. But like on Halloween, for some reason, I just think chocolate. Hmm. Worst. I don't like getting gum. Yeah, that's a good one. I would say on worst, something like. Mm, I said getting present tense as if I'm still going trick or treating. Yeah, I would and, say so, something. Are, 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 you, are you not? <laughs> I would say worst would be like Mr. Goodbar. Lollipops were always annoying. I didn't. I don't mind Mr. Goodbars. Um, Drew, only, that, like, I, I wouldn't want a big one, but I, you know, the minis now, are now, great. Now, Drew, um, I actually do agree with Drew here. His worst end of the spectrum is Tootsie Rolls. Like the cherry and orange and lime Tootsie Rolls are pretty dope. But the, but the regular ones? The chocolate? Yeah, oh, I can do without that. Yeah, yeah Tootsie Rolls aren't that great. Uh, last one is from Danzer. He says, this might just be an irrational fear of mine. But this year, Jack Johnson appears to be getting less ice time overall compared to last year. But with Goodbranson gone, do you think think Johnson will see a lot more ice similar to last season? No, and it's because Schultz and Pedersen have been pretty good. Um, pretty so, good. So, pretty good. so what you're saying is last year he kept getting more time because nobody was that second good, pairing good was enough to be getting or, regular yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And yeah, was, he was yeah, and then there was you know you always have injury stuff, but. Um, Mike Sullivan talked yesterday. I think yesterday would have been for those listening Wednesday. 
um, about specifically that pairing and what has been going well for them. I'm writing about it this week. Um, so I've got quite a bit of information that I think if you juxtapose what's going on at that second pairing now and what it was last season, what's interesting, guys, is that at, at, for large stretches of time this year, that second pairing has generated more offense than the first one has, which I think is interesting. Um, it's been a little bit worse defensively, but only a little bit as opposed to last year where it was just definitively bad. Yeah, and I now mean, it's kind of like you look at it, you say that is a, is a pairing that's above average offensively and is average defensively, and you live with that. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I was just even thinking when you when you have two pairings who are playing well and you have Jack Johnson on the third, sure, it's not great, but it's not catastrophic. Yeah, and there was a bit of a vacuum in the 3-4-5 spot of defense last year. Like, obviously, Latang Dumlin were your 1-2. Johnson was very obviously your number six. And then it was just back and forth and back and forth on three on three, four, five. And it wasn't impressive, not to mention like not to mention that. So like that was kind of why Johnson was getting more time, just because your second pairing was underwhelming. The guys in the three four five spot were underwhelming. So it was just him being a beneficiary of pairings getting jumbled around and thrown into different spots well i think that about wraps it up um we got uh, a couple games coming up uh around the corner so we'll be back very soon to uh bring you more takes um i mentioned i got the Pedersen schultz thing uh be coming out this week what do you guys got anything you want to plug not particularly no not really <laughs> okay All right, um, magical on your uh, uh, Carabao Cup victory against Arsenal. Well, I, you know, I thought you were going to congratulate me on getting a speeding ticket on Monday night. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you. Did you get a speeding ticket? I did. How much was that bad boy? One hundred ninety-nine dollars and fifty cents. That's not oh. bad, buddy. I feel like that's um, not bad. Financially, no. Uh, pending legal proceedings. Four points on my license if I don't get it taken care of, though. Four. I was 21 miles an hour over the speed limit. Oh, Mike. <laughs> See you in court, buddy. <laughs> Old left foot Garnet over here. If, um, if there's any attorneys out there looking to back me um, pro bono, let me know. Yeah, you could be the official legal uh, representative yeah. of dying alive. <laughs> Think about how that's going to look on yeah, your resume I mean, next it, year. Law degree. It was eleven o'clock Monday night on Route nineteen in Peters Township. It happens. It does. Yeah, life happens. All right. Uh, well, thanks again for listening, everybody. Um, say goodbye, Pat. See you guys. Say goodbye, Mike. Adios. Have good. Have a good one, everyone.